A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board certified physicians who can prescribe FDA approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. I'm Sophie Scott. And I'm James Gill. Our mission is to make wellness accessible to everyone. We'll be chatting with our favourite people. Sharing uplifting news stories. And delivering tips and tricks. To bring balance to your lives. Hello, welcome to a bonus episode, bonus, of the Balance Podcast. It's a bonus episode because this was done over the phone. It's with Kevin Smith, film director, spoken word artist, podcaster, all-round good egg. Um, but he was in America and I'm quite literally in Beckenham. So I couldn't in good faith put this out as the regular Monday episode, but also because Kevin was cool with us recording and because it's Kevin we would be missing a trick if we didn't get it out in some capacity. So more on Kevin in a bit. Before Kevin, um, this is a lovely bit of good news following such a, a tragic incident. So obviously there was the, the awful fire at Notre Dame Cathedral. Um, and I was told by a friend yesterday this story, so thank you, um, that Ubisoft, the video game makers, if you're, a, if you're a video game fan, you'll know that they make the Assassin's Creed series. Um, one of the games in that series, Assassin's Creed Unity, um, a lot of the action is is set at Notre Dame Cathedral. And because video games are so remarkable these days, the makers had done scans inside and outside of Notre Dame Cathedral where you can go inside and check out the art. And it's so realistic that you, you can take this virtual tour. And so what Ubisoft have done is given the game away for free for a limited time. You can download it now on Uplay PC at assassinscreed.com slash unity dash Notre Dame. Ubisoft have also donated 500,000 euros towards the restoration and reconstruction of the cathedral. Um, I will be checking that out because I'm somewhat ashamed to admit I've been to Paris many times I never actually went inside Notre Dame Cathedral um, and this virtual tour the detail that they will have gone into I'm told is is remarkable so I think that's a lovely gesture following a, an awful incident so kudos to, to Ubisoft so you can download, download that now on Uplay PC so our guest on this bonus episode is Kevin Smith Kevin Smith's wife has described him as the mayor of Hollywood. That's because he burst onto the scene as a 23-year-old film director. He made Clerks on a shoestring budget. It became a huge hit. He directed several movies, still directs now. Um, he's known as the Podfather, arguably the number one name in the history of podcasts. Um, he's also a, a wonderful spoken word artist, and he's bringing those skills together on a tour of the UK so you can catch his Hollywood Babble On podcast live uh, and I strongly recommend that you do. Kevin is just a natural born entertainer. His, his, his uh, 
21st century P.T. Barnum. Just a great talker. Lots of stories, very likeable, very funny, incredibly... I mean, I've always thought that I was enthusiastic, and then I chatted with Kevin, and I need to pull my socks up. So I hope you enjoy this. Without further ado, the wonderful Kevin Smith, and we start with something that happened to Kevin a few months ago and the things that he's done to change things. You will see. Uh, here he is, Kevin Smith. Hey, man, how are you? I'm good, how are you? So good. Um, I was in the editing suite, uh, as they call it. Well, oh, really very nice. My office. Um, but, uh, yeah, how are you, man? Well, I'll be honest with you, this is, this is unusual because I, I've listened to not just hours of your podcast, I imagine days and weeks and months, so to hear your voice live like this is uh, most peculiar. Oh my God, it's pretty much the same thing. Um, <laughs> and it's always from the same space. I'm in the actual room where we do most of the podcasts, at least the home ones. And of course the live ones, we like Babylon, we'll do out on the road and stuff. But uh, Ralph's actually coming over, I think, later today to do a home show. Very cool. To promote the, uh, to promote the, the UK and Ireland and Scotland shows. I, I say this with, with uh, love in my heart. Now we nearly lost you, my friend, didn't we? That that was that was touch and go. Yeah, for it was. It's true. It was the last. Uh, well, it's a year and change now. A year and about uh, coming up on two months, uh, where I had the, the massive heart attack, and uh, they have a cool name for it: the Widowmaker. The Widowmaker. Because eighty percent of the people that have it just don't come back they die it's pretty it's not even like if you got a good surgeon they could save you it's it's not even 50 50 and it's one of these things that like uh adult males in their 40s are all susceptible to if you've got bad uh genetics and and in my family we got some of that my mom has a stent in her heart my dad died with mass heart attack the doctor asked me like at one point on the table he was just like um He's going, I'm going to put up the stent. I'm going to have to stent your heart. I'm going to put a stent in you. Do you know what that is? And I said, yeah, my mom's got a stent in her heart. And he goes, oh, do you have a f history of heart problems in your family? I said, no, my mother just has a stent in her heart. And my father died of a massive heart attack at 67. He's like, we got to go fast. So because of that and because of my age and because, like, I just did not live healthy ever. Um, you know, I, clerks took off when I was 23. Sure. Um, so, you know, when you're 23, and some dopey decision you made, pig-headed kind of, I'm going to go make a movie, works out, you think you're the smartest guy in the room. So at that point, I was like, oh, I'll do whatever. I could have cake every day if I'd like. Sure. So, uh, you know, my diet was pretty poor. So all that uh, collided to kind of uh, put me nearly in the grave. But uh, the good thing is I was close to not only a hospital, but the best hospital for Cardi cardiac stuff and uh, this guy Dr. Leidenheim like saved my life that night it was kind of nuts so every doctor I've met since then is very clear, quick to tell me like you don't know how lucky you are and I was like no I get it I'm right <laughs> and then um, there was uh, the, the doctor who does like you know I just finished Jane Silent Bob reboot before yes. we go make a movie they make you take a physical uh, to make sure that you're going to make it through the show particularly if like you're the director or in this case the writer director editor producer and stuff so they're, you know, you're a key man. If you, if you go down, the production loses a bunch of money. So you have to go get a physical. So I went and got physical with Dr. Paula, who I see only every time I go make a movie. And uh, she was like, you don't know how lucky you are. She hadn't seen me since Sorry Attack. And I was like, I know, I've heard a zillion times. She goes, no, 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 I'm going to tell you a story. She's going, I'm 
before I was doing this, um, I was in surgery. And so me and four other doctors uh, working on a guy on the table with heart problems in the best hospital in Los Angeles. Um, Crack team. All of a sudden, dude has a heart attack. And I was just like, the guy on the table? And she goes, no, the doctor, lead surgeon, has a heart attack, drops to the ground. I was like, oh, no. And she goes, well, if you're going to have a heart attack, have it in the hospital surrounded by doctors who know what they're doing. I was like, so you saved him? She goes, no, that's the point of the story. He dropped dead. She's going, we had all the talent on our, our side, and we had we were in the right facility, and we had all the technical uh, tools needed. But that Widowmaker, it's not even 50-50. It's 80-20. And, you know, Kevin. it's all about timing. So the timing was everything in that case. Now, what, what steps – now, I, I know as a fan, but uh, some of our listeners might not. What steps have mm-hmm. you taken since then? Because, obviously, the Kevin Smith now – I mean, you look like a different human being, don't you? And, I say, and again, I say that it's, as a compliment. It's true. Yeah, thank you. No, it's true. There's, uh, I, I went vegan afterwards because, yeah. uh, you know, I was like, well, 100% blockage in my, my LAD. That's the, the big artery that uh, 100%. carries most of the blood. Yeah, yeah. 100% blockage means like it's just packed with cholesterol. So at that point, I was like, I, I, I got to do something drastic. You know, they put you on drugs, right? Like I'm on Lipitor but they broke that down. That, that breaks up cholesterol in your, in your bloodstream. Um, but you know, it was something more than that was required. So my kid has been vegan for like three years at that point. So she was like, go plant-based man. Like that's the way to go. So I jumped in and uh, I was a year and change ago. I've been vegan ever since. And, and not that vegan that's like in your face going, you ought to quit eating meat too. It's just, this is for me. I look, I, if you if you look at the physical results, like you know, because you can look at me from pre heart attack to yeah. now, you can clearly see that like there are health benefits to veganism. I'm not hungry, I'm not starving, but like I I look thinner, I'm thinner than I've ever been in my adult life. So there's benefits to it, but I don't, you know, people get so triggered when you talk about your veganism, like not even like, hey man, you know what you should do? I don't deal with life that way. But, you know, from time to time, I'll talk about it, like, yeah, I went vegan with my kid. And people are like, fuck you, I'm eat three times as much meat. And you're like, whoa, uh, all right, <laughs> good for you, I guess. People get real triggered by it. So I don't want anybody being triggered. I went vegan. It worked out for me. You don't have to. If you like meat, keep eating meat. But if you're, like, worried about health or you're like, man, I'd like to drop some pounds without trying, that's the other thing. And that's a very important message to get across. Nobody wants to try. For years that people, you know, I'd, I'd see people lose weight. Like when Seth Rogen lost a bunch of weight, I was like, how do you do it, man? He's like, you eat less and you exercise. I'm like, yeah, but what's the real secret? And, you know, it's like they, they don't hide the secret. It's right there in plain sight. So I know there are people out there like me who are like, man, yeah, I'd like to look better, but I don't want to do no fucking hard work because that was me. I didn't do any hard work. Like, it's not like I started working out and hit the gym and like suddenly I had an exercise regimen. Still walk the dog every day, which is what, which is what I did when I was heavy as well. I- Going vegan. Just drop that pounds off. So if you're like, holy crap, how do I do it without, you know, having to physically sacrifice or work out until I'm bleeding? It's it's that. Just go plant-based. There it is. And thus end the lecture. But, but also, that, that it's one of the big – in my experience, it's one of the biggest myths going that vegans preach about being vegan. Because all my vegan friends – I'm the one that has to ask them questions. They don't talk about it. Uh, it's, it's there like must be some of some vegans out there who you – Back know, in the day? Kind of, yeah, get up in people's grill and tell them how to live their lives and stuff like that. Look, people come at it from all different angles. I went vegan because I didn't want to die. Sure. Like I was so close to death. I was like, well, I'll try this. And I hate vegetables. So it's like it's not like I was like, oh, this will be this will be preferable. But like, you know, I had no choice. 
people who don't have a health problem have plenty of choice. And, you know, we always choose the thing that feels good and tastes good and, you know, makes us happy. I mean, in this sick old world where so many things go wrong, sometimes like a meatball sub or, you know, like a milkshake can make everything right for the moment and stuff. And then, you know, when they, when, when you hear somebody who's like, yeah, but we don't, I don't do that. And maybe you take that as like, you're trying to take away the only happy I have left motherfucker. Maybe that's how they hear it or something. <laughs> so I, I just try to like, I, I never try to tell people like, you should do this. I just tell them what I did. And if they got questions, I try to answer the questions, but yeah, I don't campaign for veganism. My kid, she's a campaigner because she loves animals. So she'd rather sure. see everybody stop eating meat, but I'm, I'm old enough to know that you catch more flies with honey than vinegar. And, uh, and there's a whole issue there about whether honey is vegan or not, but we won't even touch that. <laughs> <What do> you, <laughs> my kid is like, you're stealing from bees. I'm like, come on, man, we're not killing them. Like you got to draw a line somewhere. Give me this, please. Give me the honey. Come on. Yeah. Just, I need the honey for heaven's sakes. They don't have, I can't do agave all the time. You, you mentioned there about making, uh, making people happy. I mean, if, if, if I could sum you up in, in a sentence, it would be that you you make people happy. You've certainly made me incredibly happy down the years. How, how does that feel? Because I, I think you're you're a very important person to a heck of a lot of people. Um, what's that like? Oh, it's it's wonderful, and it's it was certainly never the aim when when it all began, right? Like you you kind of figure out who you are as life goes on, and, and shit happened for me kind of early. And when I started this this journey, you know, I was an artist. I'm an artist. Like, I'm a writer. That's what I was. More than anything else in this world, I fancied myself a writer. And I carried myself like what I thought or how I thought a writer would carry themselves. You go back and you look at interviews with with Kevin Smith from, like, Clerks to Zach and Miri. Like, you know, he's he's kind of serious about what he does and stuff. Um, and I never then, noticed like, that at the time, you know. Oh, it's true. I can't wow. Like, It's not even like I hate old Kevin Smith, but he's so serious like it's 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 like he's he's treating it like you know i don't know like a 20 something treats the arts you know just like hey man this could save the world and stuff and i'm glad i believe that stuff when i believed it because that's why the movies are the way they are that's why people like them because i was playing them like 100 percent as if we were trying to save the universe or some such shit not just making some entertainment not just storytelling and then you get older and you start realizing like Hey man, you're just storytelling, and yeah, you're breathing rarefied air. And as much as like not everybody gets to make a movie, but everybody storytells, and everybody loves storytelling. And we've loved that since the you know we started gathering around fires, you know, out of the darkness and trying to coalesce, you know, as a society or as a species as well. We love when somebody tells us something that happened, like that captures our imagination. Yeah, that's right. Form of entertainment in the world. So I realized, like you know, I wasn't a writer, I wasn't a filmmaker. I was a storyteller, and that carry copy uh, covers a lot of ground. So it's not just filming, podcasting, stand on stage, talking. And why do I do it? You know, again, I in the beginning I thought I did it because, well, I was born a writer, and this is what writers do, and blah blah blah. But I do it because fundamentally, at heart, it's like I like, yeah, I like seeing people happy. I like people feeling good rather than bad. And I can't do much about. You know, the big issues in this world, you know, whenever you open Google News in the morning, I like my old man, I go to the newspaper every day and except oh. now mine is digital. Right. So I open Google News, read every top news story, like not from 
from top to bottom, but like hit every headline to see what's going on in the world to stay abreast and whatnot. And, you know, it's since it's the news, generally speaking, 90 percent of it is depressing and only about 10 percent of it has any hope to it. So, like, you just want to be the guy that people turn to, like, when the news is bad. Like, I like the same thing. I wake up in the morning, I read a bunch of news. I'm like, oh, man. Then one of the first things I do is go to YouTube and take a shower of sorts by watching some stuff makes me happy, makes me laugh, popping in a movie, or in my case, making some art. Like, I'll record a podcast or I'll work on a script. You know, there's a lot of destruction out there in the life and in life, and you can't counter it with, like, you know, uh, we're going to fight it and stuff. The only way to fight destruction is with creation, man. So if things bug you in the world, like, just create new things that don't bug you, things that make you happy, because I guarantee you, it might make other people happy as well. That's my whole career has been about. I made Clerks for me. I didn't make it for anybody else. I just wanted to see what that movie would look like. And then I discovered that it made people happy, that it connected with them. Oh, man, you're saying something I can't. That's the most beautiful, compelling argument for like doing what I do for the rest of my life is the people that tell you that you're doing something that I can't. If I could say the things you could, oh, I'd feel so much better in life. And then you realize like, well, maybe that's my function. You know, maybe like... I'm 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 not like uh, saying like, hey man, I, I'm integral to everybody's life. Not by any stretch of the imagination, but sometimes I could say the things that people need to say that they can't say themselves. They don't have the words for. Feel even more so. The older I get, that's more important than just saying things or, or writing funny things. Is making motherfuckers feel, man. Like because yeah. I know I'm 48, and like I I you know I can get my laughs almost anywhere, and thanks to the internet. Everybody gets to be funny now, you know, as I'm saying, like total stranger drops a fucking kind of right, the right meme at the right time. That's right. And that motherfucker is like George Carlin for the next week for you. You're like, did you see this? And you're showing everybody. So in a world where everybody gets to be funny and it's possible and, you know, and let's be honest, Stark is funny and that's easy to do. Anybody can pull it off. I don't know that like the world needs me to deliver as much funny, but I know what I can mainline for them is the feels, man. Like I feel things. And I've noticed over the years that like the more I let that slip, the less I'm hiding it, the more people rally around it. Like, you know, I put a flash a clip of me crying watching the flash. Sure. And I thought I was going to get ridiculed, but instead there were a bunch of people that were like, bro, that's how I watch that show every fucking week. And I'm like 48 years old. So you realize like the older one gets like their priorities change. And suddenly it's like, I'll give you 10 bucks if you can make me feel something. So, you know, I, I sometimes I do that for a living, like Jane Silent Bob Re Reboot is very funny, but it's a feels machine as well. But I get to do it for free on the daily with the podcasts, with the tech, with the tweets, with the Instagram and shit. You just put some good stuff out there in the world, or things that are going to make people happy. Like, I know some people get disappointed when they come to my Twitter feed and I'm not sitting there talking about politics or the state of the world or the president and stuff. It's not my job. You know, do I have feelings on those subjects? Absolutely. Do you need to hear them? No. You can get that everywhere else, man. You're going to come to me. I'm going to try to make you feel better for a few minutes. I only got you for a few minutes. Like, you know, I'm lucky for the attention you give me. There's so many things competing to take your attention that if you're going to, like, put your eye or your earball on me for a few seconds, I'm not going to, like, make you feel bad. I'm not going to tell you about, like, yeah, man, things are all fucked up. I'm going to try to make you feel better about things. I'm going to try to encourage you to create something. If you feel a, there's a void, you need to fill it, man. Don't wait for help, stuff like that. So I love that. I, I know that that was not my role when I started this, but we discover who we are as we go along. And, and I liked, and I still like being that person. Like, I remember when I was a kid, I worked at Quick Step, same convenience store that's in, you know, the movie. And 
Mr. Topper, who owned the place, Mr. Topper, we called him Topper. Um, he had a friend over from India one day. Uh, I was walking in the store. I was next door to the video store, and I went to the convenience store to grab a drink. And he's like, have you met my friend? I said, no. He goes, he is a fakir from India. I said, get out of here, really? And he said, yes, he's a palm reader. Let him read your palm. And I gave him my hand. I was so scared that he was going to be like, you, you're taking free food off the store. Like, if he was a palm reader, you knew, you know, I was afraid he'd know that, like, I was eating corn chips without paying for him and shit. So I give him my hand, and he looks at my hand, and he goes, oh, yes, one day you are going to be a teacher. You will be in all the magazines, and you will teach. And so I, I was disappointing to hear because I wanted to be in film. And wow. And he told me I was a teacher. And so I was like, huh, all right. He didn't, he, maybe he don't know what he's talking about. And then years later, I realized, or maybe I shifted to fit into the, you know, his prophecy that, yeah, you're in a position to teach, man. Like, especially because I made this magic trick years ago, like uh, called clerks that really captured some people's imagination because it was simple. It's like when you pull a quarter out of somebody's ear and they're like, holy shit, how'd you do that? And you're like, here, let me show you. You palm the quarter right here and then you put your hand over here and voila, it happens. So suddenly there were a bunch of people who were like, Oh, I want to do this. Like I can express myself. I want to write about me and my friends and shit like that. And so you teach people a magic trick. It's real cool. But like, you know, after a certain amount of time, any trick loses its fucking luster, you know, and soon people start figuring out how it's done. And 25 years since clerks, hell, everybody can make clerks and they do every day on YouTube and other places. They sing their song. They tell their story. So I can't ride on that one trick for the rest of my life. Can't be keep, you know, hey, I made clerks, remember? They're like, yeah, we got it, bro. So you got to be able to give them something else. And I realized what I could give them now is like, all right, let me tell you how I did clerks and how I did this. Because these tutorials are going to put you on the path to do your thing. It's not enough to just see me do my thing anymore. Let me show you step by step. Let me take you inside. Like if you look at the process of making Tusk, that was hysterically fun for me because it was open sourcing a movie. They were there from the moment we started talking about the idea on a podcast. So I was like, ooh, this is a rare opportunity to take the audience from the idea stage, which they were literally there for, all the way to fruition, to show them that anything's possible. Even a stupid fucking movie about a guy who turns another guy into a walrus. With enough passion, with enough persistence, with enough commitment – you could pull it off. And yeah, like testing it for everybody, but for the people it is for, oh my God, it's, it's a siren song. It's a rallying cry. It makes them go, fuck, I want to do something. So yeah, I like that. I love being Kevin Smith. Don't get me wrong. And I love being the Kevin Smith who made clerks. Like I got that. No matter what happens in this life, you know, I got this little dopey black and white movie that is still clinging on to film history for some reason. So I got that. But that was never going to be enough. What's enough? What feels wonderful? is this now being like the, the elder statesman, you know, chairman emeritus, uh, being in this position to be like, look, I've seen it all and I've done it all and I can help you to get there. And let me tell you my stories because they're going to help you. And let me inspire you because I'm getting to the end, like not just in my life, but like, you know, sooner or later, I imagine I'll run out of some shit to say, and you know, what's going to happen then I'm going to want to be entertained again. That's how this all fucking started. I wasn't a creator. I was a fan. I'm a fan fucking first. And I'll go back to being a fan one day. I mean, people ask me all the time, like, why don't you try to make one of these fucking Marvel movies? You love this shit. I'm like, because I'm a Marvel movie fan. Like, I love watching that shit. I don't want to make that shit. That looks hard. It takes a lot of time and stuff. And I like shit out there that I have no, no skin in other than as a fan. Like, I love that I'm not like, man, I wish I had that job. 
I can go into that movie theater and enjoy those fucking movies like everybody else, man. And that's how I started my life. That's how I got here. I got to make movies because I loved movies first. So I know I'll go back to that. Like, that's the future for me. One day, I'm done telling my stories, and I just go back to sitting in the movie theater, reading comics, watching TV again like I used to. So when that happens, I'll make sure there's some shit out there that I'm going to be interested in. So I take the time now to talk to young artists because I'm hoping that one day they're going to give me the shit that makes me happy. <laughs> like right now, the Russo brothers, my favorite fucking people in the world. Oh my God. I didn't do anything. I didn't, I didn't inform them or anything, but like, I love fucking artists too. There are people out there that like turn my fucking crank that, you know, I know people are like, man, you do it for me. And I'm like, all right, well, let me show you the people that do it for me because if they do it for me, then that's how I'm able to do it for you. So I understand the, the, the idea of like, Man, people are doing things that, that set my world on fire. They make it okay that, like, my dog died. Or they make it okay that, like, I'm not doing a job I'd like to do. Or that well, I lost a fucking job. Like, for that one two-hour block, or let's be honest, these movies last a lot longer than that. Not just time-wise. I mean, Endgame's going to be three hours. But they last so much longer in our fucking hearts. Like, you give me that, it's a Band-Aid on any wound. It had nothing to do with that, man. So, like... I feel like if if I can facilitate that for others, if I can help them, if I could be like, here I am. Like, I'm not saying I'm fucking Yoda or anything like that, but I have been doing it for a minute. And so with that minute comes a bit of experience. That's good and bad. You can tell people, here's the good shit and here's the fucking bad shit that happened to me. You know, number one, don't fucking be this guy. Don't do that. Don't blah, blah, blah. The life lessons you got, or more importantly, the don'ts is the do's. This is what you want to do. This is what you want to look out for. This is the people you want to surround yourself with and stuff. So I love being that guy. Um, and if that's what Clerks got me and all these movies and like that, that's it's been well worth it. Like I'm not a don't get me wrong. I got more money than I ever thought I'd have in this life, but I'm not like fucking staggeringly rich. I'm a working person, man. Like I, I the reason you see me so much is because I'm trying to earn a living. And even when I'm not like working per se to make money. Like, I'm still working. You got to keep the legend going. You got to keep the story alive. You got to give people a reason to check in periodically. Like, not just like, oh, he made clerks, so I look at him all the time. It's like, what have you done for me lately? That's what we live in, a world of content where there are lots of people to provide fucking the feels and, and make people feel good and forget about their problems and shit. So when they fucking look at you or give you their ear for a minute, you just got to make sure that the story has changed enough where they're like, oh, He's still going. Look at him. Like, he doesn't realize he probably should have stopped a long time ago, but here he is. And so as long as there's something new for them to look in on, you, you might be able to sustain your career as an artist. A career. I mean, look, you'll always be an artist whether or not somebody pays you, right? But, like, to have a career where somebody like, here's some money. Tell me what you're thinking. That's the goal, man. That's the goal, to be paid to be yourself. That, that, that to me, I, that wasn't the goal when I started, but that's what I figured out as I went along the way. I'm like... All of these things are aspects of me just trying to self-express and be myself. The movies, the podcasts, the books, the standing on stage. It's, it, I'm not like Fincher. Like Fincher is this wonderful director who he don't have to tell you jack shit about his life. He just makes something beautiful, puts it out there, and people are like, fuck, he's good. I'm the other guy who's like, I made this thing, and then quickly I come out afterwards. I'm like, hold on, let me tell you what happened. And then I go into a long fucking story and shit like that. So because I can't sit there and be like, let me tell you how to masterfully make movies like Scorsese or Quentin Tarantino or Fincher because I'm not that guy. I could tell them how to make a Kevin Smith movie. Good news is nobody wants to make a Kevin Smith movie with me, so the, the the field is very open. You know what I'm saying? I don't have a lot of competition. So some people in my position feel competitive because you pass on your secrets to somebody else, you're competing with them later on. 
But me, you know, I don't feel competitive one iota because nobody wants to make Kevin Smith movies except Kevin Smith. So I have the benefit of being able to tell people how that's done. And if that helps them make their shit, boom. Like, you know, Jason Reitman one day, we were doing a podcast. And he was like, you know, I got in. I made Thank You for Smoking because Clerks inspired me. I'm like, what? Your dad made Ghostbusters. And he's like, yeah, but like Clerks was a movie I can get my head around. So like sitting around with friends and talking. I said, that's what I want to do. And boom, I went into film. So I like that. That's that, awesome. that makes me feel like, you know, oh, we're all doing this because we just want to be remembered, right? We want to make a mark. We want people like when, when this all ends, that people go, oh, that cat was around and did that shit. Really, we do it you know, because in this lifetime, you don't want to work for a living and this is way better and stuff. But like what you're hoping for is longevity, like that it sticks around, that things you said or thought even 25 years ago stick around. And, and so far, so good. And you can gild that lily. By doing stuff like Jane Son Bob Reboot, where it's just like, hey, remember all these old characters? Well, they're back. And you can gild that lily by doing podcasts, which is like, that's predominantly what I've been doing all these years. So the last, well, shit, 12 since we started Smodcast has been pretty much about podcasting because that's storytelling without money, without fucking like, hey, man, can you come uh, be in this different city for a month of your life and leave everything behind and shit? That's like, hey, can you come over to my house or come over here and we chat for like two hours and then you're back to your life. So I've, I've fell in love with that medium in a big, bad way. As you can tell, I haven't let you talk in like 20 minutes. Yeah, mate, this, this, <clears throat> this is an absolute thrill, I, I can assure you. There's, there's a line that you and I both love in a movie and the line is, uh, even a man doing something as simple and reassuring as putting a coat around a young boy. Oh. So that now, that, that made you roll a tear, it made me roll a tear. But one thing I hope you know this to me you are the you are Jim Gordon to so many people there's a lot a lot of lonely guys out there and and i mean women as well um comic book readers movie fans I just think you have made the world feel that much smaller by bringing all these people together um and and putting that coat around their shoulders collectively what what's that like? Uh, you're gonna make me cry. I, I feel it already. I'm not even stoned and already. That's bringing out the tear ducts. It feels wonderful, man. Like uh, at the end of the day, to be a part of anything. I mean, that's what we all look for, right? We just want to be a part of something. And some people, unfortunately, fall into being a part of things that are negative. You know, that hurt others or want to exclude other people and stuff. But we all want the same thing. There's, you know, it's very easy to point that paint the others as evil or whatever, or this person's not doing it right and stuff. But fundamentally, we just all want to belong and we all want to be a part of something. And I feel like because of film, I'm now part of something. Like I was always part of my, my family, you know, my mom, dad, brother, sister and stuff. But like, I got to be a part of the, the world. Like it, it was almost like the world was a giant, like school just kept going on. And for, you know, a little minute, I got to be popular in, in high school, career-wise. Like, and so it's so, it's nice that to be a part of that. It, it's this warm feeling of people going, hey, you're, you're in that too. You know, like I recently is corny as fuck, man. But like when they put the little Mallrat shout out, in, spoilers, in Captain Marvel, Yes, that's like right. People were like, oh my God. They're like, maybe, maybe they'll let you direct a movie next. And I'm like, you don't get it. Like, that's the best, well, the second best thing they've ever, they could ever do for me. Number one, putting me in the fucking movie. That'd be amazing. Number two, <laughs> referencing me in that world, making me a part of it. Like, that's what I crave more than 
oh, I want to make one of those movies. I don't have the talent to make one of those movies or the patience. I, I've, I make small movies where people talk to each other about goofy small goals and stuff. But to be acknowledged, to be a part of that world, like that's what touched me so much. For one second, like, you know, popular kids, like the all the people in high school who are the gods and the titans and stuff, like we're like, oh, he's part of this too. Like they threw me a nod. And that's, that was that was better than like Kevin Feige being like, why don't you direct one of these movies? Because then I'd be like, oh man, that sounds like, that's a lot of fucking work, bro. But like having him be like, hey, remember Mallrats? Hey, that fucking exists in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Like that's, maybe people have different goals in life and that was never a goal for me. But when it happened, I'm like, there's my happy place. Like, I don't need to be in charge of everything. I like being in charge of my goofy little movies. I love making my little world and then I loved re re-entering my little world just recently. All my toys, dude, I pulled them out of the fucking attic and I got to play with all of them and it was breathtaking and it was fun. But, you know, that doesn't mean that like, oh, I want to go play with Marvel and DC characters. No, I just love watching that shit. Love watching those movies. Love getting inspired by those movies. Love finding those moments in those movies like the Jim Gordon moment you just referenced. Oh, man. That sits on your heart and soul, man, where you're that's what art does. Just like, you know, long before there were movies, people read books and they'd read a book and they'd oh my God, this just sums it all up for me. Man, this is no different. And just because it's a story of some fucker in a cape being impossibly good doesn't mean that it's not important, deep, memorable. Doesn't mean that it can't put you on air for the rest of the day. Doesn't mean it can't elevate you from your problems for a minute or at least let you fucking escape because that's what it is. It's escapism and stuff. But done correctly... Man, if you do this shit like you're saving the fucking world, like it makes all the difference. And that's what LaRusso brothers did with Infinity War and I'm sure an Endgame and stuff. And that's what the artists who we love do with, with everything we dig. Our songs, our, our, our books, our movies, our TV, our, our, anything. If, if they can grab you and make you feel that everything's going to be okay for a minute and make you and really at the end of the day, make you forget that one day this all fucking ends for everybody and that we all can't escape it and that we're going to die. You do that, man. People like you. People have a use for you and stuff. People will overlook huge character flaws if you can make them feel something, as we've seen with people, you know, who champion artists who are questionable in, in their personal lives or whatever. Sure. So I, I like, I love the feeling of being, you know, every once in a while I come home uh, from being out in town. My wife's like, where the fuck were you? You were only going to the store. I'm like, yeah, but like I got stopped by a dude who's wanting to make a movie. And then I met these two ladies who made a flick and they asked me if I could do a voiceover. And then there was this, like, and, you know, she's like, my wife goes, you, you're like the fucking mayor of Hollywood. And I'm like, I'll take that. Are you like kidding that. me? I was like, when I was a boy, Hollywood was this faraway fucking place where they made movies and sounded amazing. And so I like walking around Hollywood and people being like, hey, it's Bob. And sometimes I don't even know your name. I get a lot of, hey, it's Silent J. And I'm like, well, yes. Then I get a lot of like, it's Kevin James, but whatever. Like, they, <laughs> they know you. They just maybe don't know your name because it's so fucking forgettable. No, no. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. 
Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at UH1.com. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction, and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. In, in terms of the feels, uh, British audiences now have a, uh, the opportunity to get these feels live. So for people who haven't been to a live show, um, what, what can they expect? Oh, those shows, man, in Babylon, that's where we give them the funny. Uh, thank God I got a funny guy with me. Uh, me and Ralph been doing the show for almost 10 years at this point. It's coming up on our decade. And, um, Congratulations. We, we, that's amazing. Oh, it's so, it's so nice to, like, have longevity on anything, you know, sure. except prison time, I would say. Absolutely. Although that would, that would be good, too, because then you'd be probably close to getting out. But it's, it's really nice to be, look back and be like, we've been doing this for a dime or so at this point. Um, and all it is, what we're doing is just doing what we would do by ourselves if there was no microphone. You know what I'm saying? Like we're sitting around talking about the movies and like entertainment news and like, do you read this? Like, what do you think about this? Same shit everybody does. And then we were just like, hey, let's just do it on a podcast. So we, we've been doing it and we've done it in England um, years ago. I think it was the last time we went there. Yep. Um, so it's, it's this kind of nice outlet where I just get to be a fan. You know, like, you know, my day job, I have to make things if I want to be the guy who makes things. But like on Hollywood Babylon, I'm just a guy who watches stuff. And periodically I can speak as somebody who's made movies as well. But generally speaking, it's more about just the watching. Um, now, I'm a comic book fan. You're a comic book fan. Uh, to, to people who haven't ever dipped a toe into those waters um, what would be a good a good one to get the ball rolling? Would you anything you would recommend there? For which for a podcast to listen to? No, sorry, for a, a comic book. If you if you were to recommend a, a comic book, so for oh, a comic book. So uh, I mean, I'm me reading um, Red Hood and the Outlaws at the moment, which is is terrific fun. Um, I'll be gross and plug my own shit. Like, yes, uh, do I it, do it. it. I did a Hit Girl miniseries uh, for Mark Miller and Miller World, and uh, I loved doing it like playing with somebody else's ip was a, a good fucking time and you know the character's been established the rules have been established you know what you can get away with what you can't get away with so i had a blast um and, and it's rare that you know somebody's like hey man you want to come play in in, in uh, my sandbox so yeah. when he asked I, I went right away and then uh shortly after that uh, over at dc they asked me if i wanted to do a story for detective comics 1000 that just came out and I was like, oh, my Lord, yes, Detective 1000, what an honor. And then they were like, Jim Lee's going to draw it. And I'm like, why didn't you lead with that? Like, <laughs> of course I'm so I, I've, 
I got to do a, a couple comic book things again for the first time in a long time. And the Detective 1000 thing was uh, was particularly so cool. uh, satisfying by the fact that, you know, I'm the guy that hosts Batman Beyond and Fatman on Batman. But also, like, you know, I'm the guy that made Batman uh, piss himself in comics like years ago. So this was <laughs> kind of making up for that as well. The, I mean, that, that, that's my, I must say, that's my favorite is the Fatman on Batman and Fatman Beyond just uh, what? Because I, I, I love Batman so much. And so that, for me, I mean, it's like you've, it, I, mean, I know you'll hear this a lot. It's as if you've made it for me, you know, and, that, and that's the thing that unites all these Batman fans, isn't it? And comic book fans. Yes. Oh, my God. And, and it's a character, I think, that particularly Batman is a character that everybody can, well, anybody who likes this sort of thing can, you know, idealize because that's that's us. That's the one we get. Like, we can't be Superman because you got to right. be from another planet and stuff. You can't be Wonder Woman because you got to be a goddess. But, you know, if you train real hard and, and you're rich and your parents get killed, <laughs> boy, you can be <laughs> you can be the hero you want to be. Um, now, I, I, I know I've overrun. I do apologize. Is it, can you please, I know you can't spoil it too much, but for fans of uh, Jay and Silent Bob, I mean, I, I watched the video and Oh, by the way, Kevin, there's a phrase you use that I have I, I now use, and that is uh, rolling a tear. I'd never heard that before I listened to you. And so now in Rolling a tear. So I don't say that I cry. I say that I rolled a tear, and that is an homage uh, to you, my friend. Um, so Thank what can you, you tell us about the uh, Jay and Silent Bob reboot? Because that is uh, tremendously exciting for a lot of people. It's um, it, it's It's... Like, it's such a different movie than anyone I've ever made before. Starts off like Jane Silent Bob Strike Back, and then slowly becomes this um, uh, warm, uh, funny sequel to almost every movie we ever made in the Viewsk universe. Um, everybody comes back, and it works. It's not just like, yeah, yeah. hey, there's somebody for the sake of seeing somebody. <laughs> like, it's all kind of organic and germane to the discussion in service of of the story. And it's, you know, it's Jane Silent Bob Strike Back, but it's Jay's story this time wow. and that, boy he crushed it like you know i think both of us when we hit the set day one were um ill prepared you know because i thought we were like i can speak for myself i'm like oh i'd fucking make movies all the time it's gonna be no different i forgot it has been 18 years since i was the lead in a movie and that was jane silent bob strike back yeah and and in this version in jane silent bob reboot we're we're in literally every scene Whereas in Jane Silent Bob Strike Back, periodically you cut away from us to Will Ferrell or the Girl Gang when they were without us. Yeah, yeah. Like we're literally in every scene. So suddenly, like it was uh, a much more difficult movie to make. Like not like oh my god, this is hard, and it's like you know it's it, it's tantamount to cancer. Not at all. But it was just nonstop work, like in order to get it all done in the very limited time frame that we had. Like you didn't really get a lot of chance to sit around and enjoy the process as much as you were just like in the process and, and making it and stuff. So for 21 days, I kept my head down and just went. And, and, you know, this is after two years of planning this movie, of writing it, rewriting it, almost dying and all that stuff. So mercifully, when I hit the ground, I was, I was fully prepared to make the flick, but I wasn't prepared for, for the aspect of like, bro, you haven't been in, a movie like this in a long time. My guys, I did a day or two on yoga hosers, but like this was in, at being in every scene. So when you're the director and you're in the scene, that means as soon as the take is over, you're going back and watching what you just did. So if you just did a 20 minute take, which in the world of digital is 
Very possible. We did quite a, quite a bit. You know, suddenly you're stopping to watch for 20 minutes and stuff. And there's just no way around that. Like, so that slowed the process down a, a little bit, but you know, with good reason, that's the only way I could be in the movie and direct the movie at the same time. So it was not without its like challenges. Um, but my Lord, I, I love it so much. I mean, you know, you're supposed to, generally it feels this way whenever you make a flick, but you're like, Oh, I, I love this one the best. But this one really does kind of like encapsulate the first half of my career, like the first 10, wow. 12 years of my career. And it's a nice like revisit. And also like last time I played with all these characters, like I wasn't the person or the filmmaker I am today. So like, there's a part of me that was like, I, I just want to, I, I, I want to see what they would be like today, like how it would be today. Then there was also a weird part of me post heart attack where I was like, Oh my God, I will never look as good as I look right now. I have to be in a movie. And so <laughs> that was a factor as well. Uh, Kevin, I, I, I'm, I couldn't be more grateful for your uh, time. And, and I, I'm more importantly, I couldn't be more grateful for everything that you've done down the year. So uh, from the bottom of my heart, thank you for being you. And uh, for what it's worth, uh, to go back on something we said earlier, this Kevin Smith right now, uh, I'm not just saying it, this right now, this is my favorite uh, Kevin Smith. Oh, man. Thank you. I, I mean, I'm with you on that. Like, fucking, I, I agree. And I never really get to have these conversations in real life. Like, if I talk to my wife about this Kevin Smith or that Kevin Smith, she just rolls her eyes and walks away. So it's nice to be able to talk to somebody who does notice and be like, yeah, no, you're on to something. This Kevin Smith is better. You're in a great place. Thank you, my and, uh, and bless your heart and thank you for everything. Thank you. Have a great one. I'll talk to you later. Take care, man. God bless. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Huge thanks to the the Hollywood icon Kevin Smith. Wonderful. Um, God, what a, what a great guy! It was one of those where <laughs> it was one of those where after the interview, after the interview had finished, I was a little bit sad. Uh, I've loved the man that I've loved that the man that long that I, I actually had hair when I first got into Kevin Smith. That's how long it's been. Um, so to chat with him really uh, it really stayed with me. God, I've, I've really shared too much there, haven't I? Um, if you're up for more of these bonus episodes, basically I'm up for them if you are. I know the phone call thing isn't ideal, which is why we'd put them out as bonus episodes. But if you're getting names of the calibre of Kevin Smith, then it's a no-brainer. And I guess that's where the balance comes from. The, the balance uh, play on words was absolutely intended. And I would be a, a fibber if I said otherwise. Correspondence, as always. Sorry for... That's all I've done now. I'm, I'm going to be brutally honest with you. It's 27 minutes past 10 in the morning when I'm recording this. I'm home alone at the moment. The children, wife, not here. I've just had some chocolates. So that's what that was. Apparently there was truth serum in it. Sharing too much. Uh, correspondence podcast at balance.media. Sales! Come on, how can, how can this product be free? It's impossible. Uh, sales at balance.media. Sales at balance.media. See you on Monday. And by see, I mean, hopefully you'll be listening, uh, for our regular podcast. So our podcast is out every single Monday. And the new issue of Balance is also out soon. That's out on Monday week. Monday the 13th of May. Monday the 13th of May. Uh, the new issue of Balance. That's exciting, isn't it? And uh, I know who's on the cover, but I can't, I can't say. Uh, anyway, I've waffled a bit there, haven't I? Classic. Thank you, as always, 
Uh, I hope you enjoyed Kevin. Bye-bye. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.